0: Welcome to Veterans State of Mind, I'm your host, Geraint Jones. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Thanks for coming along. Uh, if you've been here before, guys, good to have you back. Hope you've been enjoying the episodes we've had out in the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to crank it up a notch, get a couple of episodes out to you a week, uh, because I know a lot of you are in lockdown, and those of you who are not in lockdown, you, uh, you're working out, aren't you? So, going to keep your company, doing whatever it is you're doing. Uh I want to give a big shout out before we begin the podcast to our friends at the Royal British Legion, because not only do they make the podcast possible, but they're also the ones who put us in touch with today's guest, who is an absolute fucking legend. So thank you, Royal British Legion, for doing what you do. Uh, If you want to know more about them, guys, search for Royal British Legion, Uh, tag them up in the posts uh, that we put on social media. Uh, They are doing business as usual. A lot of people struggling at the moment financially, unfortunately, and uh, British Legion, they got you covered, so head into into there, check them out, see what they're doing for veterans and their families. A lot of good work, as usual. Um, Podcast is also brought to you today by Altberg Boots. Guys, you know I love Altberg Boots. Why do I love Altberg Boots? Because I did three tours with them. In fact, it's fair to say, I am closer to my Altberg Boots than I am to most of you lot. Um, I I, I love them. Why? Because they look alley. And because they never let me down, i got good ankles, which is more than can be said, for the rest of my body. If you are working in law enforcement, if you are working in the military, if you just want a good pair of walking boots, check out Altberg at www.altberg.co.uk. A-L-T-B-E-R-G. Check them out. Get yourself a pair. And if you do get yourself a pair, send us in pictures too. Uh, This podcast, it's also brought to you by Frontier Risks Group home of the world's leading practical training course in security risk management consultancy. Frontier Risks Group is an amalgamation of a number of leading companies in their fields, guided by a team of equal experience and expertise in their respective domains, from security and crisis management, corporate risk, intelligence and analysis, compliance, workplace investigations, trauma response, and training consultancy. They've got uh, guys who have completed their course in some of the biggest companies in the world, including Deloitte, Netflix, uh, BBC, CNN, They're all over the place. Basically, travel, expert companies, you name it, they're doing it. Um, And if you're a veteran, guys, then their course is something you should definitely check out regardless of your rank. So head over to Frontier Risks. Um, That's FrontierRisks.com. Check them out. They're also on um, Instagram at Frontier Risks Risks Group. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, They do the business, though. While we're here and we're talking about veteran-owned, veteran-operated groups, Um, I just want to give a shout out to Combat Fuel because they sent me uh, a tub of vegan protein because I like to use vegan protein. I'm not vegan myself, but I'll tell you this, it is a lot easier on your guts than whey protein. So uh, if you are in lockdown right now, it's probably a good time to switch to the old vegan protein um, before, you know, gas, 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 the rest of the house. Um, They also have a bunch of other supplements on there, so check them out at Combat Fuel. I'll say the vegan uh, protein, salted caramel, it is very, very tasty indeed. I have been smashing it, smashing it. Ah, right, what else we got here? Brothers in Arms, that's my book. A book, What I Did write about Afghanistan and about my comrades in Afghanistan. Um, a lot of you guys have already supported the hardback and the audio book, and I thank you very much for that. The book comes out in paperback on June the 11th, and I have something to ask of you guys, which is if you could pre-order the book, if you have the spare pennies, if you could pre-order it, that would really, really, really help because I'd love to get um, the book into the bestseller list. Why? Because it'd be good for my ego. Uh, And why also because um, it would just be great to get the fucking story out there because there's a lot of the chapters in there which are aimed towards mental health. And and I think it should, I think it could do some good. So um, I've already been paid for it, so it doesn't really make a difference to me one way or the other, to be quite honest. But um, I would love to get it out there, guys. Um, We have a good number of listeners on this podcast. If everyone buys a book, it'll be a bestseller and it'll be high up the list. So if everyone could do that, I will fucking love you for it. And I probably will do some kind of sexual favors. Um, not sure on the severity of those, but we can discuss that later. Probably depend on the number of copies you pre-order. Anyway, without further ado, today's guest, he's definitely someone you'd like to do a sexual favor for because he is an absolute legend. One of my favorite people that I've met in the last few years. Um, absolute fucking, absolute legend of a guy. Served with Iraq, served with Iraq, served in Iraq with a PWR Went to Afghanistan with him too. And uh, you know what? I was going to go on a bit longer, Indro, but what's the point? Because he's here to talk about, isn't he? So, without further ado, put your hands together, take your fingers out your bum, and say hello to one of my favourite people in the veteran charity space and any other kind of space he wants to get into, because he's bloody handsome, Mr. Daniel Arnold. Dan Arnold, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, mate. Good to have you. Good Good to to see your face. Looking radiant. <laughs> got Cheers a good, man good, uh, Got a good Covid blow <laughs> The Covid blow. I like that mate Might have to fucking trademark That one before we go away <laughs> And anybody else takes it How's oh, things going mate Everything alright in, uh, in lockdown In quarantine Yeah alright I think I'm the same As most people really I have my good weeks And I have my not so good weeks um, And you have the weeks Where you wank yourself Into a Yeah Climbing well, the walls
1: <laughs> Going crazy Snapping everyone Within breathing space Of me But um, Yeah Keeping busy with work man We're, we're flat out
0: it's one of the um, the benefits of having been on tour, though, isn't it? Is like you've always got, no matter what. There's always that litmus test, of that com- you know, that comparison of, well, two months. Like, let's be honest, mate. We're not having to do two on two off in a Sanger in yeah. the 50 degree heat. So it, it could be worse. Don't mean I'm not going to complain about it though.
1: No, no, completely. But yeah, there's no um, IED threat. There's actual half decent scoff, and I've got access to internet. And a um, lumpy fronted one at home as
0: well. So morale couldn't be better. Have, yeah, see, I don't have that, mate. I've, my socks have been taken a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> socks have been taken out of a pound in. Uh, to be honest, I've got to the point now, without trying to scare away the listeners, because we do have some important stuff to discuss, but they know that, because I'd done an intro for this, um, is, uh, like, just haven't talked to females, like, really. I like, haven't been... Because I haven't been at bars. We're single gentlemen, you know, and... Um, I just, it's its at the point now where even the socks are safe because I'm just like, the testosterone levels right now are just, they're that of, I don't know, something that don't have any testosterone is what they are. Because it's just, you're not in those environments, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not go, not going to bars, not going to clubs, not seeing scantily clad people. Um, so yeah, it's, what I'm trying to say is I'm suffering more than anybody else on the planet right now. I, get, is, is I, I kind hear of you. A point. It's yeah. going
1: to be a turbulent time because you're not going to want to jump on kind of Tinder or Grinder
0: after this because everyone's just the ultimate catfish. No one looks like their profiles, mate. Hey, Also, I found out the other day, devastated, that I've been paying a paying subscription for Hinge. I obviously obviously smashed when I signed up for that, wasn't I? And um, <laughs> like, I've been paying for I've been paying for a dating app while I've been in lockdown. What a mug!
1: <laughs>
0: Love that. Right, mate. Let's bring people up to speed on your military background, mate. Let's give them some let's give them some resume, as they say in America. Yeah.
1: So um yeah, I joined in two thousand and three. Uh pretty much all I wanted to do straight from school was go into the green suit. And um kind of initially, weirdly,
0: and not many people know this, and don't judge me for it. I wanted to be a chef in the army. Um got you said what well, you said there, mate, you go, don't judge me for this, and then you said I wanted to be a chef in the army. Like, I'm sorry. I can do a lot, mate, but I cannot do that for you. As a teenager, I was mad into my catering and I wanted to be
1: a chef. Um, right. and I thought that chefing in the army was a really good kind of career. And then I went and did like one of them look at life school things. Yeah. And like hung around with them all for a week. And I was like,
0: Negative. Did you feel you, no. you were going to have like a frying pan in one hand, Jim P in the other, and you'd just be like putting belts down as you're like tossing pancakes? 100%
1: egg pan blows <laughs> while laying down a rapid of fire and it just wasn't
0: ah. cool. oh. Yeah, so I was, I was just, you mentioned 2003, was that because of like, was it seeing Iraq on TV? Because the invasion looked pretty sexy, didn't it?
1: Didn't it just, yeah. It looked um, pretty sexy, there was a lot of war yeah, boners
0: well, flying around.
1: I don't remember that being part of my thought process. I just always, from being that kid in the field with a stick going pew pew, yeah. just always, always, always wanted that. My whole family are Navy, being from Portsmouth, um, and it just wasn't in my stars. I was like, no, nah, I want the green suit. Went in the careers office sat down, said I want to join the army. Bloke was from... Um, he put a video in front of me, a DVD, and like this warrior comes steaming in, does an endo, and everyone decamps and starts pairs fire manoeuvre. And I was just like,
0: I gotta say, man, I don't know how anyone wants to join anything other than the armoured infantry. Well, I get parrot, I get the paras, but if you're gonna be in the infantry, armoured infantry is just so sexy, innit? Nah, see, I was a light roll all the way. We're. So the so he lied to you with the warrior, basically. Yeah. yeah Never heard the recruit a recruiter lying to someone before, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's unheard of. I must have uh, got a rough one. <laughs> yeah. So you, it was kind of like um, you were kind of was it? Were you a bit of a contrarian kid then? It was like everyone else has been in the navy, so I'm going to be in the army. Do you reckon if they'd all been in the army, you'd wanted to be in the navy? 100%. You could, mate. You could be a chef 100%. in the navy. You could be what's his name, Casey. What's that, Casey Ryback <laughs> um, or whatever his name is? Casey Ryback, Under Siege. If you guys haven't watched Under Siege, watch it. There's some nice big titties in there too. You'll enjoy it. Watch it. It's the, the the most nailed chef in the world. <laughs> it was a Navy <laughs> Seal becomes a chef, saves the world, legend. So, <laughs> um, so was it um was it what you expected when you got there, mate? Into the army, into the PWRR? Which which battalion was it? Because there's a couple. Is it the Second. same one? as... Is that Which one was that? Same one as Brian or Sean? No, nah, Woody was first. They were um, first. What about yeah, Sean? So I'm sure. They both first as
1: well. they? Good boys. But um, yeah, second. Yeah, I loved it as soon as I got there. I think um, <clears throat> I turned up rear party while the lads were uh, just come back from a six-month in Northern Ireland. They did a Dungannon 6 month And I was still a sprog at the time, so I think I ended up going straight on the gate. Um, love that. Then... Pretty much as soon as they got back, we started pre-deployment training for
0: Iraq. Which telek, right?
1: Yeah, that was decent. So yeah, we went
0: telic. Sorry, I was gonna say which telek was it? Which number? Five. So, right. Yeah. So so how do you feel how do you feel then when you got to the battalion? You're a bit of a sprog. They've come back from Northern Ireland. Obviously, Iraq, the invasion's over, the occupation is going on, or whatever you want to call it. I'll call it occupation. Um, and um how are you feeling at that kind of time about going on, going on ops? Because things are kind of calmed down a bit, haven't they? There'd been that kind of crazy time on um, with the first battalion, with that on was it be two thousand and four on Telec Four, but things had started to calm down a bit, hadn't they? So, did you feel like you'd missed out? Did you feel like maybe you'd missed a shot? I don't know actually, because we were doing our pre-deployment
1: training, and I remember being in an area we were based up Midlands at the time, and we were doing public order training drills. Mm. uh had like the shields and everything out and we were all called in for like a scale a muster and they were like get in here and they put the big tv on and it was the americans sweeping through fallujah mm. and like that was naughty we were all just looking at it like whoa yeah, that is proper um and yeah when we got out there it transpired not to be that really we we really did do a a peacekeeping supporting resupplies and kind of stagging on prisons and things like that so it didn't transpire but. um I think like most of us, we, we all joined knowing what we wanted to do. And I was mega excited and just wanted to get out there and kind of um, get at it. You know what I mean? That young kind of immature exuberance where I was like, I just want to get out there and go for it. And it yeah. never happened that part,
0: part of the problem with Iraq, though, I mean, was the fact that in one th- one part of Iraq, you'd be like, Americans online... Smashing artillery, air power, walking through a city, and then in another part you'd be like, Card Alpha, public order, don't fire on anyone. And it's like, well, there was no coherent strategy for the entire place, was there? It seemed a bit do you know, what I mean? like, do you know what I mean? It's kinda of, you know what? It's kinda of like what's going on with the situation at the moment in America. It's like you got yeah. there's no like it's it, it seems very <laughs> it seems very hard for Americans to come up with one strategy that everyone's gonna like one follows and then and then, you know, in Iraq you had the extra problem then of having the um, all these different nationalities in. and Because well, I've got a guest coming on after we've been on today who was at the same period as you're talking about right now. Bro, he was in full-on fucking Blackhawk down-level fighting in Baghdad yeah. at the same time as what you're talking about. So it makes me wonder, like, is it because... Because my, my thing is always if you put out force, you'll get force back, right? I always think that this idea that you, like... You know, they, you might be able to scare them off on the day, but they're, they'll be coming back for you. Um, and I, I do think that really there was something to be said for the way that the British were handling things. Like, how did you feel with the locals? Did you feel like they wanted you to be there? Did you feel like there was like, a, you know, did you feel like you, you weren't like the necessarily the invader? Did you feel like they were, you were a liberator? You know, talk us through a bit about that. I
1: think you're completely right in what you said. That really depends on the geography of the country. If you were down kind of, um, so we were in Shyber. if you were just south of Shyber, like milling around in like the rural countryside, you didn't feel that hostility. You went up to somewhere like Umkhaza Port or Baghdad and completely the tension changed and you, you did feel like you were an outlaw and you were up against it. Mm. <clears throat> um, we never really had that much um, dramas with the locals. The only dramas we had had, was when the americans had soured local relationships mm-hmm. so like one of the villages we used to transit through on the resupply runs uh, american humvee just plowed over like a six-year-old girl and just didn't no, stop and just carried oh, on towed down. so then the next time one of our coalition patrols roll through rolls through there you can imagine what the reception was like
0: yeah because that's the thing about those places as well mate. it doesn't matter if you know they they don't need to be al-qaeda lined or like anything like that if you've killed someone in that village they all got fucking guns. You're going to get some the next the next group of people through are going to get fucking they're going to get shot up. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. or or it, or it's maybe the next time you go through, they don't tell you about the idea. It's up the road or stuff like that. You know, that stuff really does matter. It's like you can be a jackfucker on your platoon uh, in your patrol and run over a little girl or whatever. But then the next the next patrol through is going to is going to pay for that. Um, did you like? Did you deal with like IEDs and stuff then? Because that was like the that kind of period was the it was like artillery shells, like a lot of like remote detonated artillery shells, things like yeah. that, wasn't it? Command wires rather than the EFPs which came in uh, later. So like, we what what was huge the kind huge of threat? amount of
1: um, VBIEDs while we were out there? Really? So the front gate was taken out by like a petrol type tanker. Uh, it wasn't you? particularly. Um, my company but one of the companies was on the front gate petrol tanker pulled up to like the vcp um just as it got a bit closer boom detonated itself as a multiple were going out in their kind of um luckily snatch wagons um detonated right next to them and quite a few of the lads were caught up in that <clears throat> um command wire ieds under culverts on the main like msrs and things like that pretty standard um operations for the day like kinetic firefights weren't so much of the battle then it was kind of that IEDs VBD IEDs and yeah I'm always jealous
0: like of like um you know like Dan and Dan and Brian these guys from like your you know one point VWR I'm always fucking jealous of them because I talk about like the firefights they're on on the floor and not really having an IED threat I think fuck that sounds epic doesn't it like you know you'd love to be in that when you're like and then and you've got on the other hand it's like like you said you so Like five and twenties and stuff. When you think back on it now, it's kind of hilarious, isn't it? It's like, oh, so how'd you find IEDs? Well, you get out and you look. Right, what you used to look? What kind of equipment you got? Well, there's these things called eyeballs. Yeah. Use them, and you can kick stuff with your feet too. I like that's how you that's how you look for fucking IEDs, mate. It's mental, isn't it? And then
1: the opposite of that was Afghanistan, where you had the IED threat and the kinetic like firefights. And one minute you'll be doing methodical 5 and 20s. The next minute it goes down and it gets kinetic. And yeah. you just go, suck it and see, I'm bound into cover. And if it goes, it goes.
0: Yeah. So what did you think about, um, how, how did you, did you enjoy your time in Iraq? Did you find it was a bit like, did you feel a bit let down? Like, because personally I kind of felt a bit let down by Iraq. Like, because it wasn't, They, were, not to say it wasn't dangerous because it was fucking dangerous. Yeah. But I wanted what, I wanted that, you know, I had friends that were on Telec Four, people at Simic House and stuff. That's what I wanted. And I'm sure you probably know a lot, a lot more of them. So, like, what, you know, how did you feel coming back off that first tour? Do you feel like you had any dramas? Were you happy? Was, you know, how, 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 we, how, was Dan Arnold feeling? What was in the mind of Dan Arnold?
1: I don't know. For me, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a up, bronze, up, massive kind of tour, yeah, wasn't it? it was like, good for that, wasn't it? Just hitting the gym, hitting the, um, hitting the baby oil or the gun oil outside mm. the compound, but. Um, Yeah, I guess later in later years, I did kind of think to myself when you hear all these stories and things coming out and like Dan Mills writing books and hearing about all these kind of big kinetic mix ups and you think, oh, why didn't that happen to us? Because I think we caught a lull like when we were out there, there was a lull and then literally the tour after us had a hell of a time.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a summer winter thing as well. And it's summer's definitely went off there more. Um, Yeah, Dave Radban was telling me, mate, I was sat opposite him. I could have like throttled him. I was so jealous. He was telling me about that they had one firefight where these like suicide bombers were literally sprinting towards them and just exploding and stuff. I'm like, that sounds mega. That sounds, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be like, oh, that's terrible. I'm like, what? Where, where were they? Where were the where were the jogging suicide bombers for this? I mean, we all know. On the flip side, it could just be that you end then because then, what we never what what you're never jealous of. You're like, oh, I'm jealous of that day when it like there was a terrible day, but. We all have terrible days on tours, don't we? And you kinda want it to be balanced up with that day that you saw tw- like mate, have you ever read that fucking um what's his name? Kyle um oh, mate, the American sniper. Yeah, um, yeah Kyle um Fuck I'll show ourselves up here, mate. Well, I have to edit this, but right. It's not it's books called American Chris Sniper. Cause Kyle. Kyle, that's it. Mate, he's talking about one bit in there where he's shooting people who are using they're using beach balls to try and raft across the river and he's just shooting them with the beach balls. I'm like who were the where were these clowns when I was on fucking tour? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, with us, mate. They were firing through little fucking holes in big thick compound walls. They were on fucking beach balls in the middle of a river. I'm like I'm not I'm not doubting that it's Jen for a moment. I'm sure it did happen. But <laughs> yeah. I've got mates I've got mates that told me about people kneeling in the middle of an empty street with an RPG. I'm like, where were these people? Where were they? Yeah. With us, like, I never never saw that kind of stuff, mate. So you obviously you must have liked the army, mate, because you stuck around for a bit. Because you, you yeah, do a ten sec- years in the end. Yeah?
1: I was med discharged. I probably, I don't know. It's a bit of a mute question. Isn't well, I'll it? tell you what. Tell,
0: tell us, tell about Afghan, though. Tell us like, before we get to the discharge. But talk us through your, your kind of Afghan days. And the reason, just for anyone listening, the reason we're kind of going through these a bit quick is because I want to get to the, um, I want to get to the all call signs part of the story. Um, but um, yeah. So go, let's have a chat about Afghan, then, mate. So in between Iraq and Afghanistan, I did a two and a half year residential
1: in Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, what more do you say about that? We closed down banner really. So that was, uh, it was pretty something and nothing. But yeah, we started training. So what you're peace. saying
0: is you, Dan Al, brought peace to Northern Ireland. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. Is that, it peaceful? <laughs>
0: well, yeah. Where is peaceful, mate? It's nowhere peaceful. Is it? It's an illusion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: But um, yeah, we started training to go to Cyprus for the Theatre Reserve Battalion. So oh, sweet um 24 hour readiness to move anywhere in anywhere that was going off
0: um and we all
1: rotated through afghanistan
0: yeah that's a pretty cool job that though mate because i know the royal welsh lads that did that and again it sounded pretty fucking cool that mate diving in and out for were you doing a couple of months here a couple months uh yeah four uh so
1: four months out then um move so our first tour we went out to relieve the american marines so they were, it was like their manoeuvre support unit and they'd been out there a year. Um, so we went for all the usual, went to Bastian, <clears throat> kind of got told we were going to go to take over these Marines, uh, with Dick to go down with a couple of others to do the familiarisation and handover takeover. And just, there was something like, across the AO, they had something like 1300 troops
0: mm-hmm.
1: with helos these like great big huge mastiff looking vehicles with like rollers on the front uh, yeah for the, IEDs.
0: yeah 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 the um, fuck i forget what I can't they're called the name. But they got MRAPs as well yeah. or or those yeah MRAPs as well yeah i think i don't know i've seen I've, I've seen the ones with the rollers as well though cuz we had one of those once although i'll tell you this mate i was behind them we hit an IED, so they're not <laughs> they're not foolproof, unfortunately but yeah so,
1: yeah they had 1300 troops and we went down there and took over with a company
0: group nice British British army. Um, We're not overstretched. There's no such thing as (laughs) (laughs) overstretched. We were good for about
1: two weeks until the locals clicked on that there was no helo support, there was no vehicle moves. Everything was being done by foot patrol, Um, and then basically you had like an imaginary northing we could have spray painted on the floor, and every day you stepped over this northing. Shit got
0: kinetic. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, this. This is what pisses me off, though, mate. Is you, so, what year are we talking about? This are we talking about the twenty tens, twenty elevens here? Seven um, eight. Oh, seven eight. All right. So they were there. Who's uh, that? Uh, yeah, two thousand eight. I'm sure. Yeah, right. Because in two thousand and six, they sent in an understrength company to take over from an armored company of Danes, and this is the book that I did uh, with Major Adam Jowett, No Way Out. And that ended badly. And the fact that they're doing the same thing two years later then, yeah, it's fucking criminal, mate, honestly. It's it's mental. It's like, all right, you made the mistake the first time. Makes mistakes happen. You're doing it two years later, you're fucking mugs. What's going on? Yeah, completely. It's, it's, it's so, mad, mate. Um, it's
1: mad, mate. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a, a double-sided kind of battle because we were trying to do the hearts and minds, and we started off peacekeeping. And I can't remember how long into that, and bearing in mind it was a short tour, hmm. Um we had, it, we had Card Alpha pulled and we got,
0: um, go for it. Yeah, was it war 49 Alpha. For-
1: yeah, so we went straight in war fighting And we were only, we weren't that far from the Pakistan border. So we used to get a threat really? coming up across the border. So they'd come up, um, vehicles, dismount, take on some of our outposts, um, then re- re-camp vehicles and then go back below the border. So not only did we have the local insurgency threat that was kind of surrounding us, but we mm. used to get them coming up from over the border have a pop, couple of RPGs, bit of a disturbance, and then shoot back off. So, um...
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand, mate, how many, like, because people, one of the things I always have with my civilian mates is like, well, you were there in their country. I'm like, a lot of the fighters were there in someone else's country too.
1: Like, yeah, A lot 100%. of the fighters
0: are out-of-area fighters. A lot of them are Pakistani. A lot of them have, can come from all over, you know, the kind of the Islamic world. A lot of, you know, it's, it wasn't like, right, this is this farmer. A lot of them weren't there from where they were born, you know. I mean, some were, but... They were your $10 Taliban who were taking a can of pop at you. So how did you you enjoy that? Uh, Yeah, to start off with, and then, no, for me, that was a huge
1: realisation. So you saying earlier, like, um, kind of, like, did you wish, like, that you had the kinetic things? And, yeah, it was really good to kind of get in your first, like, proper, what we'd been taught would be a contact, like, returning fire, like, going for it, pairs breaking down. And that quite quickly the novelty of that wore off for me and it became almost um, just like this overwhelming concern as like a, like a launch jack as I was then, like you've got these people under, under you. I guess I kind of started doubting my own ability that I was going to be able to do it to keep these guys Mm. alive. And it just went on. Like there, there there was a couple of events that like, I I think every time it massively went off, I was Mm. on the ground for some reason (laughs) and something would happen. Um, I'd done my med course previously, so I ended up doing a lot of like the patrol medic stuff as well, like your muckers getting kind of incoming, blown up, like some pretty gnarly stuff. So you just swatch, switching hats from like controlling a fire team to then being pulled in and being wrist deep in your mate sort of thing. It kind of really spun me out.
0: Were we were you were you operating on like a traditional um three sections in the platoon? Is it were you operating like that? Like was it were you doing almost conventional or were you operating in multiples or yeah, we went multiples, yeah. So we went two multiples, um,
1: split up, um, plus fire support. So in the area, we had a couple of outposts that were built by the Redcoats when they were out there, all them many moons ago.
0: Mad, so we used to... yeah, mad. Like... it? mad And it mad, me. We had Russian positions as well that we used to. Like you probably saw Russian positions yeah. there too. But it just tells you, like, when you see that, and this is why I think fucking politicians should go on the ground, because yeah. you go there and you see a position that used to be there and you go, right, that didn't work 200 something years ago. Why do we think it's going to work now? Yeah, like, yeah. Why? And, then- and it doesn't mean it's like, maybe there's a way, but it didn't work then. Why is it going to fucking work now? Well, because um, we're better trained. No, we were the best trained army in the world then.
1: Like it's just like the, the senior commanders when we were out there, the senior Taliban commanders used to be Mujahideen mm-hmm. who were trained by us to fight the Russians many, many years ago. So
0: yeah. And they're good, mate. And this have... oh, it's a bunch of fucking guys with towels on there. No, they're fucking good. They're, they're professional fighters. They don't do six month tours. They do. I've joined the jihad and then I die. And yeah. for, okay. Some of them, their first time fucking turning up for a fight might be the last. But some of these guys, put this into perspective, listeners, some of these guys have been fighting on pretty much continuously because after the Russians, they then fought a civil war against the Northern Alliance. Oh, and also, one thing that they do very well in jihad circles, you know how we have exchange programs with the Yanks and stuff? Fucking jihadis do it. You can go off, right, I'm going to go, oh, right, Bosnia's going on, I'm going to go to jihad in Bosnia for a bit. Philippines is going on, I'm going to go to jihad in Philippines for a bit. They fucking go around, so they're picking up all these tactics everywhere. Um, and then like so some of these guys some of these commanders have been continuously at war by the time Dan Arnold is there in 2008 they've been continuously at war for 25 years not in the army for 25 years at war for 25 years yeah
1: mental and the thing in their back garden as well like in they knew garden. the area they knew the killing areas and like you were saying earlier like uh, early doors of rack and conventional warfare that we know is people like you, you have green army versus black army mm. everyone looks the same there you can walk through a village as you'd have seen and you'll be getting like locals waving at you and the next minute they're picking up arms and taking you on and that you, you can't distinguish the threat between society um I'm sure you found the same as well like you go in you take positions you'd roll through positions and when you get there there'd be no enemy dead there'd just be drag trails and you'd be like it was almost like a, in certain areas that we were up
0: against ghosts because we were like, I haven't seen anyone. I never saw many enemy dead, mate, because That's it was us, It was usually at a distance. Uh, it was usually at a distance, and like you said, they clean them up. You see, guy, you see the locals coming in with wheelbarrows, barrowing them out and stuff. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. It's not like because the other, you know the thing is with again again IDs, threats and stuff. It's like, okay, you drop someone at a couple hundred meters, you're not going to go forward and do that because you'd have to clear every meter between you and the enemy to get there. You know, so, I mean, you know, there was areas where, you know, and and certain tours where people were doing compound clearing and stuff like that. But I don't think that was the case for most people. I think most people, like you said, you're going out on patrol, you're getting contacted, then you're probably extracting kind of weird when you think about it like most most fucking tours were just spent with guys patrolling out taking contact and then going back to the pv it's kind of like what was what, what was going on like what was it my second night in country the american marines were like come out of us
1: so i went out on a patrol with them um and it was an overt op in the local village just putting a presence in halfway through the night massive huge great big kaboom so we start stowing getting ready to extract they called it in the morning we walked back out and um there was a probably a six foot by three foot crater in the main MSR that we patrolled in on.
0: Hmm.
1: Turns out that two um dickers had been watching us, saw us go in on this MSR and lay up and were digging in an IED, one of them tripped as he was putting in the pressure plate. The old metal ball bearing come out, completed the circuit, and fragged them both into nice. kind of little Deep bits. So, minister. like, yeah, my second day in country was spent sorting out this clusterfuck of two two own goals that were, uh, like, no bigger than a bit of rump
0: steak <laughs> oh, across 100 metres. Fucking humping, mate. How <laughs> was that? So that's what I think about it. It's 12 years ago now. Mm. Does it seem like 12 years ago? When you're talking about that, then, does it feel like it was 12 years ago? How old are you now, 30 or something? Four, yeah, 34. Um, so you're 34. Something. So a third. that was a third of your life ago, or more? More of a third of your life ago. Mad. It's not it just?
1: It's crazy. Sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday, and sometimes it feels almost like I never did that. Like a different person did that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, usually for me, it's someone like Hugh Jackman. If I'm looking back in my mind, it's like, <laughs> like the reality is I weighed 150 pounds. I, like I looked like a giant head on a lot. When I came back from Iraq, my mate said I, he saw he saw me and he said you look like just like a walking lollipop because so I got a big skull, mate. you've seen it, you've touched it. Um, and I was just uh, so skinny after two tours in the rack that I just looked like this walking lollipop. But like yeah. when we look back in my mind, that's the other thing. We kind of look back on it. You see yourself as you are now, yeah. Kind of, but you, you weren't. You were a boy. You were yeah. a fucking boy. And that that's something me. Did you ever look at Vietnam pictures and stuff on Instagram and think like, oh my god, these are kids?
1: Yeah, and then the the, the the reverse of that. You know when people share pictures of operators from Northern Ireland back in the day, they all look fucking like fucking now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They all look like old men. They <laughs> they look like they're seventy, and I was like, "Hang on, he's
0: 19 Like Tash. The, Falk, the, the Falklands lot, mate. The Falklands yeah. lot. What what were they? Eat? What were they eating as kids? <laughs> <laughs> like they they look like right. It's like oh, I've had a solid diet of coal for the last twenty years. And, it's, and I'm not talking about after they got there. I'm on about when they're boarding the ships to go. They're only 18, <laughs> yeah, 19, yeah. mate. They fucking look like they've had a the right hard life. I think <laughs> there's de- like the other one as well, mate. I'm re- So I'm reading a book at the moment about um, Comanche Indians. So like, fucking hell, mate. Again, you want to talk about like, so you and me right now, 12 years ago, a lot, you know, well, longer than that. For We're talking nearly 20 years ago since for Iraq. Um, that's a big portion of our lives. Some of the stuff I'm reading about these Comanches, mate, 150 years ago, um, some of the stuff that was going on in America, I won't go on about it on here, but I would recommend the book. It's called Empire of the um, Empire of the Summer Moon. And you're like, fucking hell, things used to be brutal back in the day. When you think about it, like, what you and me went through in Iraq was like nearly 20 years ago, right? Um, this was 150 years ago. Do you think it's not that long ago that people were fighting, like American settlers were fighting Indians and people were being fucking brutally murdered and stuff. In places now where you go on holiday, it's mad. Yeah. It's just mad, mate. Like, the like time is something that, like, I don't think any people, like, I don't think any of us can really get our heads around time properly. I don't think we can. It's impossible because, like, it's true as well. I'm sure you'll fucking um, say this, especially with the old cosine stuff, which we will segue in, in a second, but definitely gets goes fast as you get older, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I, yeah like, I mean, look at 2020, spend most of it in lockdown, everything's being
0: cancelled, and before you know it, it'll be 2021, and you'll be like, what? My dad said something to me the other day, maybe he feel that sad, actually. He was like, so my dad's just kind of like semi-retired, this his first year, and he was like, you know, because he's 40, he now 60-something, he's like, I feel kind of like robbed of a year, because he's like, I know I don't have that many of them left. I'm like, fucking hell, and I, I feel that way at 36, mate. Like, I'm very cognizant of the fact that we're going to die. Like hmm. something I think about every day. Not in a not like in a terrified way, but in a oh fucking hell, I'm gonna die. That's a bit mad. you know what I mean? Um talking of death and stuff, mate. Talking of thinking about things, talking about introspection. Do you wanna talk about because um, um I know, like myself, you've struggled a bit after your tours. Yeah. So do you wanna do you wanna talk a bit about that, mate, before we talk about all call signs?
1: yeah so um got back off tour and pretty instantly i think i wasn't great but i was living a couple of miles down the road from ayana so no one really thought any different of me going out every single night till stupid o'clock in the morning and just being a bit of a lizard um came back to the uk and that really really kind of spiraled so um i broke my back while in cyprus after afghan so in 2010 i fractured my back how'd you do that Um, being a lunatic no so i am looking back now do you know in the space of six months i broke my tib fib and my back um knowing what i know now about kind of ptsd and things it's taking that needless risks trying to replicate that kind of also you need to drink more
0: milk yeah yeah maybe (laughs) now that's that's a good point mate like you because like you're saying getting smashed all the time as well now you can see at the time you probably thought oh, i'm just blowing off steam after all yeah yeah
1: but then that that segued into drugs. Um I had a really, really bad time of it. Um with In God. Inapper? Uh, no, Antibes. when I came back to the UK, it was almost impossible to get on the island, which is probably a saving grace. But um
0: when Cross, I came back to London... crossing Ionaper off my holiday
1: list. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, when I came back and got to London, um kind of drugs partying, got divorced. Um, well got married got divorced that like the ink was still wet it was that good wow. Um and just really really started spiralling and then um started to self-harm Um really
0: like what kind yeah. of what kind of thing cut in or what yeah so quite an impulsive thing
1: one night actually I just sat there I'd been out round of friends for a couple of beers and I do genuinely mean a couple not like a squaddy couple like an actual couple <laughs> <It's cool>. Um <laughs> yeah I've only had a couple had 12 no so, and um got in and just walked into my kitchen and had this urge to just cut myself. So I did. I, I took a bread knife out and opened up one of my arms. Oh, and um, when people asked me, they were like, did you want to kill yourself? Did you want to take your own life? I said, no, not at all. What I couldn't get was I had loads of things going on in my head, loads of noise, loads of emotions that I couldn't compute. I couldn't quantify why. So I gave myself one, a pain outlet and hmm. two, like a physical, opening to a like the metaphor to allow stuff out, do you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. I couldn't deal with it, yeah. I couldn't process it. Um and then that paved the way for a couple of years of kind of <clears throat> um cutting and self harming. I then got discharged in twenty thirteen and in twenty fourteen found myself looking down the barrel of a six and a half year prison sentence for an aggravated assault and a fray.
0: So how did that happen? I say that you just lost your shit on someone. Yeah. On you don't have to house. go into details mate, but basically you just overreacted You reckon? And- without anger
1: yeah just on a night out someone came up i don't know what had happened maybe something had happened earlier but i was unbeknown started like chest poking me and i was like you need to dress yourself away otherwise it's going to win badly um they did and then they came back and yeah red lost it tuned someone in um and yeah was looking at six and a half years inside behind the door and that's really when i was like you need to get a grip
0: so what so I, like did they, um, did they take into account service and stuff like that? like how did you not? Because obviously you didn't do that stretch?
1: Um, so there was quite a lot of physical injuries on this individual, um, and they were so pissed that once I tuned them in, I walked off, they got up and gobbed off to someone else, and they levered him. <laughs> so um, uh, couldn't actually be proven that yeah. I'd sustained the injuries
0: on the individual. I, well, I wanna I tell you what I was I, bloody lucky Yeah, I want to make a public service announcement Two public service announcements Public service announcement number one Always try and work As tempting as it is to fill people in Always try and walk away Public hmm. service announcement number two If you fucking start chest poking someone And you get filled in Don't be a fucking cunt And then try and fucking sue them It's your fault for starting the fucking fight If you get filled in Take it like a fucking man Or a woman Take it like whatever you fucking identify as but don't unless unless you identify as a fucking coward. Like, yeah, if you mate, this this idea that people can start a fight and then they're the victim, mental. That's mental. If you yeah. fucking if you gob off, if you're in traffic and you honk your phone and someone <laughs> fucking fills you in, that's on you. Right? If you <laughs> yeah. start if you start road raging people and you get filled in, I told this to my brother before I've been in the car with him, mate. He's fucking peeping his own. I'm like, if someone comes fills you in now, I'm letting them. Right, <laughs> like, Dave. If you're listening to this, you got to stop fucking peeping your own people and shouting at them because you're going to get filled in, lad. So... <laughs> Especially in London, yeah. You don't. Especially be doing in that, mate. You don't know who. I had a fight with a fucking Uber driver, like, no, my Uber Eats driver, recently in the states, and I thought afterwards that could have ended bad. That could have ended really badly, really badly. Was it worth it? Just because he paid- like, just cause he called me a fucking asshole? Was it worth it? Like starting?
1: The Do you know what I mean?
0: Carrying over there, mate. Yeah. It's not. It's. It's not worth. It's not worth it, people. It's not worth it. If you wanna have a fight, get down to your fucking local gym and pick on someone there in the fucking ring. Um, you know. But like mate, what you're saying about uh, the cutting is um they working with someone on something at the moment and they've gone through exactly the same thing. So it's it's a common thing. So anyone listening and has that, don't think you're alone. It's a it's common thing, mate. So right, we um let's let's start talk about all call signs then, mate. Tell us about how how it came about. Um so so, so and just so basically it's a, cha- it's a charity that you you guys have set up down there doing a lot of amazing work and we'll talk about that work but how did it come up, how did it come to be
1: so i guess moving on from like kind of nearly looking at going to nick i then decided i was going to sort my life out enrolled on open university went into the corporate space did all right um, kind of hated life a little bit, though, because it just wasn't what I was used to. But I knew that I had to screw the nut. had a little boy by this point no. um, and was doing all right. Uh, 2018, one of the lads that we served with uh, went missing. It went out on social media and said that he'd gone off grid and he wasn't good. So I joined in and helped out with a search party where loads of people got together to try and find him. And after about three days of looking, um, we all appeared at a pub by a local beauty spot. In the morning, and the news broke that he'd um, passed away. Is he'd taken, his, he'd taken his own life. Yeah, it was really rough. Um, and he was a great guy. Like he served with us in unit. He then went on to a special forces unit and spent a good few years with them. Um, and probably, if you were to line up a group of blokes that you served with and you were to like point three who you think would struggle, he like not mm-hmm. 100 people wouldn't have pointed them out in my eyes. So it really kind of rocked me. And I'd already been diagnosed and was going through treatment for PTSD myself at the time. SJ, who um, started All Call Signs with me, it was his kind of brainchild. And he's a web developer by trade and he's done a lot of work in America training people to build websites and stuff. And he said, there's a real, over a conversation that we'd had, I had been to counselling locally in Portsmouth and got put in front of a newly kind of qualified psychotherapist. She was brilliant. She was epic. But once we'd got through the meat and bones and she was like, right, scale of one to 10, what's your worst things, scored them. She's like, right, go in. I started telling her about events that happened in Afghanistan, like dismemberment, firefights, the feeling of disappointment, like survivor guilt, all this stuff. And she just literally broke down and was in tatters <laughs> and i was then like are you okay, okay hon like giving her a hug like yeah. i ended up looking after her um so we were like Do you know the only people that are best to kind of console you and listen to you are people that have been there like what we're doing now mate so the idea and the concept came about to start a peer support network that could be there 24 hours a day that a touch of a button you could press it and be paired with someone either in uniform or who's been in uniform, who knows what you've done and have been where you've been instead of being like, Oh yeah, I watched band of brothers once. That must be horrible. Well, no, actually you don't fucking get it. And you never will. Whereas someone who's like, Oh yeah, I was out there six months before you mate. Horrendous time. Do you remember the school here? Do you remember the? Yeah, I do. Your barriers are down and you're already talking to the individual.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think that's important, mate. Like, um, I got very lucky with the therapist that I had, you know, when I did my PTSD. Because uh, I think, um, you know, I, I've always felt like a bit of an outsider in the army anyway. Because I came from uni, I came from like, I was, you know, like, so I've always felt like, so I don't feel like I had that as much of a shell up as a lot of the blokes do. But I can definitely see that as an important thing. And 100%, it's, I'd much rather talk about it with people that have actually been yeah. there. Because you are, because the thing is, mate, like, if if you've been there with someone that has been there, oh sorry, you're talking with someone who's been there. They can prompt you with stuff rather than, like, because it's not it's no fault of the therapist or whatever. But they just they don't know what to go for. They don't want to look for like, in, but yeah. like someone that has been there, they'll know those little things to kind of pull out of you. And you don't necessarily have to say everything yourself. They can say it and then and you and then be like, do you feel that? And you you all you have to say is yeah. And then that just that that admission then will start the ball rolling. But I think yeah, I think that's really, really kind of important, mate. So what kind of stuff are you? What 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 what's all call signs look like on a day to day? I want to talk about the beacon system as well. So
1: yeah, so probably after the chat now um, function that we launched, we launched beacon, which again was born out of um, Dan going missing. So the police, the thin blue line's just getting thinner, um, and we found it quite difficult trying to work with and liaise with the police because what we had was a load of people that wanted to come forward and help, veterans that have kind of got some experience of search, they know how to cover arduous ground and they can take direction but there was no real joined up work with the police going right go here do this and it just seemed really disjointed and a bit messy. So we use a thing called Beacon where we use um, an AI code on top of Facebook. Someone comes to us and says Private blogs, ex-Royal Welsh, missing from this area. Here's a police reference number. He's written a note to his mum and said that he's done and he's gone. We then use a a messenger bot system to send it to all of our subscribers on Facebook as an instant message. So it pings like a text message on your phone and at the press of one button, you can share it to your Facebook. Um, We can get three million views on a post within 24 hours. By using this system, um, Beacon's been launched 96 times now. In so we're two we're two years old, and we didn't launch that at the start. So probably in a year and a half,
0: right.
1: maybe a little over 18 months. Um, 96 times we've launched Beacon, and we've had 90 successful results where we've recovered veterans, brought them home to their families alive and then supported them with therapy and kind of peer support moving forward.
0: That's amazing, mate. I think that's amazing as well that you don't just – you're not just like, right, come on, right, come back, and then you that's, that's it. You know what I mean? It's then that follow-through on the back end to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's fucking awesome, dude.
1: Yeah, so that was another thing that came out of it is we found that far too many people were reaching out to the normal channels for support, and they were being told that it was six to 12 weeks before they'd get a call back or because they weren't diagnosed within service, they didn't qualify for support for certain avenues. So we now partnered with the BACP and we can provide clinical therapy paid for by all call signs. Um, And we've massively cut down that expedited those wait times. So from someone coming forward and self-referring, for us getting them an assessment into talking therapy, maximum would be two weeks.
0: Right, right, so... You and I—I I think it was about. A year, was it about a year ago that we went to um, Chelsea Barracks and we talked with a couple of ministers and so it's about a year ago now, isn't it? Which, it was yeah. Again, it's mental how fast that's gone.
1: Yeah.
0: When we went there, one, I was impressed how a couple of lance corporals basically just chinned everyone else off and we took over all the, <laughs> all the questioning. But do you think anything's changed since then, mate? Or do you think, like, when you say stuff to the when you when you bring up these concerns to politicians, do you, like how how are you finding it? Because I know you do like you you you're know, very you're very good about you know getting these concerns out to the government. How you know how, how how are you finding things? Are you getting is there funding? You know, do you know what I mean? Do you see where is there funding coming and so? Yeah, there is
1: there, there there is funding coming. I think that thing in Chelsea barracks was all smoke and mirrors, wasn't it? It was I they they, so. they were trying to appoint. The PM, um, and that was just Jeremy Hunt getting his face out there in the right places. Yeah, um, although he did
0: grab, gra- <laughs> was it was it you wasn't it? You're like, oh Jezza, get yeah, fine, well, not Jezza. Oh Jeremy, photo. He didn't know, didn't know, how to take. Like when you see someone like that, mate, it's almost like, like he didn't know how to take. Because once it was outside yeah. of that, like once it was outside of that controlled environment. He didn't know how to take just three people coming up to him being like, "Hey, let's go get, get a selfie."
1: Do you know what I mean? He just... But he didn't like me at all because if you remember rightly, I was on the Victoria Derbyshire show before him, and she called me Dave and not Dan. So I said to him, <laughs> "Don't take it personally." Victoria Derbyshire got my name wrong on live TV too, and he just was like, <laughs> I was like "I've misread this situation." Extract.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I not I don't think they're that well known for taking a. Taking a, a joke, are they? But yeah, that's the problem. Because that, that's my issue, mate. Like that's why I don't really bother with stuff like that. Because I'm thinking time would be better spent doing something else. Because you could, you you could just see it, kind of just going over there. You're saying it, and they're just going over your head. You think you're not fucking listening? Because none of my like, like, actually in just it's Johnny Mercer. Yeah, well, well, I'll come back to Johnny. But just for the people listening now. Hmm. Like, right now, I got a fucking notebook in front of me. Because if you're saying, well, one we recorded a podcast, I got a notebook. When they came in and they're like, oh, yes, tell us what you need for, you know, all this, I'm thinking, you can't even go fucking notebooks out. Like, you're going to listen to what 20 different people are telling you for an hour and you're going to remember it, or you're getting your fucking bike shag. I'm not fucking buying what you're selling. Um,. But yeah, sorry, man. I'm just dragging you into my revolution that I got going on at the moment. So don't do worry it. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm there. <laughs> there'll be Where funds, mate.
0: When the revolution's over and I've reappropriated funds, there'll definitely be some in there for all call signs. So what? Well, like people listening now, people are going to be saying, "I like this, Dan. I like the sound of all call signs." What can I do to get behind them?
1: So anyone can follow our Beacon network. So um, the more people we have on Beacon, so I think at the moment we have about nine thousand people signed up to Beacon. And that can equate to 3 million views within 24 hours. And it's a punchy statement, but we typically don't see beacons lasting over 24 hours now just because of the volume and yeah. how quickly we can get it out there. We get them recovered and back in. If you're in service or you're a veteran um, or even kind of a family member of a veteran with a with a skill set, like you are a psychologist, you are a therapist, um, We're we're very transparent and say that no one is an expert we've just been there and we know it and mm-hmm. we're going to tell you about our experiences um, you can sign up to be a listener i think we were at 500 listeners before covid19 knowing how much people are going to be struggling we opened that platform up again and i've got about 700 volunteers wow, manning fantastic. that listener network
0: 24 7. that's fantastic man
1: yeah so i mean we've got a clothing range online that we um that's basically how we support the core team and support ourselves um, both myself and SJ are kind of paid in this role. We'd love
0: to do it for love, but um, <laughs> got to eat, mate. You gotta eat,
1: yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta so, fucking eat, mate. Our merchandise sales cover that. We've got some pretty decent kit actually that does really well online. Um, really, really good traction at the moment with the 25 press up challenge. Um, people buying it, talking about
0: it, and promoting it, which is really, really great. You got, you got so, sexy, I, you got really sexy, though. It's a very cool logo. I yeah, forgot yeah to exactly. wear, I, forgot, I forgot to wear my jumper today. Well, I didn't forget to wear it. It's nice weather, so I wore a t-shirt. But yeah. um, I, I do have a jumper myself, which I took off your body. <laughs> you did, yeah, in London. <laughs> Just yeah. I, well, I, I took it for the scent, mate, but I kept it for the <laughs> for the alliness. Um Wait, like so, you mentioned lockdown, there, mate. How are things going on the? Um, how have you have you seen an increase on the um, since we've been locked down? I'm yeah, guessing.
1: so we preempted it. We kind of knew it was going to happen. The, the the general perception everyone was going to get busier. Uh, 75% we've gone up now in the amount of people that come through. So to put that in numbers, the chat now function um, pairs with WhatsApp. So if you press the button and you get paired with me, we go off to WhatsApp and we chat. We typically see 50 new conversations a week.
0: um, So So by new conversations, you mean that's a new person asking for help?
1: Yep. Yeah. So wow. fifty new a week, um, and that's gone up to one hundred and twenty. Wow!
0: Yeah, and and what what kind of like? I mean, obviously, I wouldn't ask you to divulge specifics, but is it is it financial stress is causing it? Is it loneliness? Like, what are the kind of uh, the the things that we're seeing so people can? I want I, if anyone because what I want to do, mate, is that anyone's listening to this right now, we can kind of preempt them, get into that situation. Yeah.
1: So um, three trends that I've seen probably since COVID-19 are people that are struggling financially because they're not working and money's an issue because they're furloughed or they're self-employed and they haven't been able or weren't aware of avenues to get money. So then we have partnered with other organisations where we get shopping sent out and advice on debt management and income um, to individuals. Uh, another big one's relationship breakdown. So people have been locked in. They've had Barney's um and their relationships are breaking down that's from short relationships all the way up to long-term marriages so then we're looking at kind of getting people rehomed getting people moved out deposits paid while all this has been happening and then you've got the people that have got kind of underlying mental health issues they're normally pretty on top of it they work really hard at their mental wellness but this pressure cooker environment of being locked in not seeing people it's just it escalated their symptoms and they're really struggling and they now feel like they're spiralling so that's probably
0: the three biggest trends we've seen the relationship breakdown one in particular I find very interesting because usually when I hear about like, someone gets in touch with me and it'll be someone I know I go oh, mate am I having a bad time all of this and I'm like you've broken up with another girl haven't you yeah but I'm like right so I'm like let's address this right let's address this right now it's all right to be fucking upset when you break up with a girl. One of the things is, I think that st- people are starting to accept now that it's all right to have PTSD, it's all right to have war wounds that are mental, but a lot of lads still don't want to admit that a girl breaks their heart. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things I find with 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 some people that I know in particular, and I've had the problems as well, is be like, you have a, a, a bad breakup, and then... It, like, cause the PTSD and stuff's always there. And then you so like if you're not dealing well with one area of your mental health, the others will deteriorate. Yeah. But it's easier to go, ah, it's the war, rather than to go, well, maybe it's that fucking girl that cheated on you, or the boy that cheated on you, or the fact that they've left and you're not seeing your kid. Because it's easier to go, ah, it's war, because it almost sounds more acceptable to be like, Well, that's you know, it's it's from a quote unquote, because I don't believe this, but quote unquote, manly kind of thing that happened. Yeah. You know, so we're still, we need to let go of all it. all mental health is equal. You know, all of it is equal. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. If you're fucking feeling like shit because your missus left you, it's all right. It's all right to feel like shit. You don't need yeah. to do like you because, and the reason that's important is because when you do go for treatment, if you pretend or not, and I'm not saying pretend like, but if you are, if you're not addressing that, that's what's causing you misery you won't be able to fix it. You have to fucking, you have to front up about these and and own it. Um, I mean, because like, that's the financial one, mate, but you know, you could, it it speaks for itself, doesn't it really? But I think this relationship one is is really important because let's be honest, mate, as squaddies, we don't always do the best job of picking our partners. I think that's fair to say, right?
1: Yeah, fair. Yeah, I'd have to agree
0: might run into things a bit quickly, (laughs) you know, you might have met, you might have like, you know, I think lads run into things quickly, and here's the other thing, our idea of conflict, because I'm not saying it's a partner's fault, our ideas of conflict resolution, aren't always the best, it turns out, that, that yeah. treating like you're treating your missus like you would do Joe Crow, we're giving him the fucking bracken It's not the best way <laughs> to deal. Yeah, it's not the best way to deal with a relationship problems. What do you reckon about that? Yeah,
1: no. For natural leaders as well, I think in relationships we're really, really poor communicators. Especially if you've got. So it's taken me a long time to learn to communicate how kind of my PTSD affects me. Instead of just and understanding that it doesn't just affect me, it affects the people around me. So like my children, my partner and letting them know and communicating instead of just going off and being non-communicado and sulking for two days just put it out there and be like i'm not good give me space because if you're just snapping and biting at people and being like get out it's not just you that it affects and i think that we can be quite insular and kind of like well this affects me well actually it affects a lot of people around you and how you communicate and manage that um in essence is is how you manage that. If you've got a good support network around you but you're forever just nipping at them and chipping away at them because you're snapped.
0: Yeah. Mate, I be got the best person I, in the world. I felt snapped the other day because I read you know, I was reading about some suicides of people that I knew. Not like mm. they weren't made to mind, but like I knew I knew them, and we talk, you know, and as and I ended up having I ended up fucking having a fight with my brother because it was the ripple like on any other day I wouldn't have but it's the it's there's ripples from all these things and you have to be yeah. aware of it and you go oh well i'll take myself out of the picture so i'm not causing ripples but that's still causing ripples and like you're saying you have to there has to be this um you know there has to be a, this addressing things right i've been very vocal at the moment about people getting outside getting exercise getting you know obviously yeah. taking precautions taking precautions you know don't be fucking don't be licking turnstiles and don't be you know don't be like of you know, being a fucking idiot about it. Keep your dog on a lead, all that kind of stuff. Um, and by the way, pick your fucking rubbish up because if I catch the fuckers who've been dropping rubbish by the waterfall by Mars, I'm gonna fucking stab you. Just putting that one out there. <laughs> you will be you will be drowned in the waterfall. Recorded um, threats to kill. I can't see that going wrong with you. <laughs> um but the um, yeah, mate, if someone does get it there then i right, scrubbing this bit. <laughs> but um but like you, mate we're supposed to be we're supposed to get exercise we're supposed to be out we need exercise we need outdoors we need sunlight yeah. uh, and we need some kind of community as well Um like this face to face now mate it's made me happy yeah
1: definitely know? it's good but to people, see grid
0: yeah but people need to have like need to have this stuff what are your kind of just to take us take us home on this bad boy what are some of your top tips if you were knife and people now and give them top tips about mental health Uh, In lockdown and out of lockdown, what what would you recommend people do?
1: Good question. So first off is we all think about mental health when it's bad. We only ever talk about mental health when someone's got poor mental health. When in actual fact, every single person roaming this blue marble has mental health. And we don't work on it when it's good. So tomorrow, unless you're an absolute machine, you probably couldn't turn up and run a marathon just off the bat and smash it out. You have to work. You have to build up to that. Now, your mental health should be held in the same regard in the fact that you should be working on it every day. Now, I'm not saying turn into Hare Krishna and start smashing out yoga (laughs) at five o'clock in the morning. But you can do little things that have a huge positive impact. Exercise, for instance, like you're saying. Go out for, I don't care what physical state you're in, you could go out for a 15, 20-minute walk, you get out, you're active, you're getting fresh air and you're releasing endorphins around your body. And that's right the way up to absolute ninja triathletes that go out for 50-mile bike rides. Horses for courses, whatever suits you. That's it. At the moment, limit your exposure to things like press and negativity. There is so much of it out there on Facebook, Um, people surrounding you, the news, the media outlets. Um, Some weeks ago, I made a conscious decision that I don't watch television. I will tune in to the COVID update. And that is all I watch because you're just saturated with negativity and poison. And that lends itself to surround yourself with people that are on the same wavelength and preach positivity. I caught up with a couple of veterans over the weekend on the phone and heard about amazing stuff they're doing. They're being really successful and they're doing really, really great things. And I came off it like I'd almost stolen their energy. I felt charged. I felt fired. And I was like, right, where am I going? Let's just move it forward. Cause it feeds off people. If you're surrounded by people all the time, like Karen 46 from Facebook, who's like, Oh, everyone's dying. It's fine. Game. <laughs> Karen <asked> it, <laughs> it's just going to affect you. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, So surround yourself by them, people. And I guess don't feel bad about using this time to stop, be still, take your condor moment and reassess. Just because you've got a plan, it doesn't matter if you change that up or divert slightly. If you're still heading towards the same goal, if you need to reassess that and go, okay, I gave myself a year to do this, but that's not working, then set yourself two years. But set yourself mini goals, achievable mini goals. Probably the biggest thing that people fail, say COVID-19, I'm going to lose two stone. Well, set yourself mini goals because that's a big, big jump. If you set yourself achievable little mini goals along the way, one, it keeps you more engaged and entertained. Because as soon as you tick off, I've lost five pounds. Boom, that's in the box. I feel brilliant. I'm definitely going to strive towards the next one. Um, Probably one of the biggest things I see is people coming through going, I was going to learn German. I was going to get a new job and I was going to get married by the age I'm 30. Well, actually, strip all that away. What's important? Job. Let's get the job. The rest comes. So set yourself really achievable targets and don't try and overwhelm yourself or beat yourself up because failure is part of the journey as well. Don't be afraid to fail. I've learned some of my biggest lessons from failing at stuff. Um, We're all too good at looking at Instagram and seeing how amazing everyone's life is. They're driving around in 80 grand cars, living in massive houses. Mate, people have failed to get there. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there. You're never gonna l- learn to fly if you don't jump.
0: Mate it was fucking mega. Gonna end the podcast there. Where can people find you? That was fucking mega, mate. That's it. Where can, where can people <laughs> find you? Um, yeah, so um, all over Facebook and
1: Instagram. So it's all is the webpage. You'll find that on Facebook. We're on Twitter and instagram and i am dan228 on insta and i'll be putting loads of stuff out there this week for mental health awareness
0: are you on a tiktok absolutely not get on fucking tiktok mate i want to see no. you dance i want to see you jiggle that ass <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. bro i love you mate thanks so much for coming on thank no, you thank for the you. work that you do i'm speaking on behalf of all well i'm speaking on behalf of all people of the world why not expand it when i say um thank you so much for the work that you do mate it's because of because of people like you i keep saying this mate veteran communities get some shit sometimes. I think the veteran community can be, should be the strongest community when it comes to charity, when it comes to business, when it comes to sports, everything. We can fucking dominate everything. And it's awesome to see guys who have been there and done it leading the way. So thank you so much, bro. And um, guys, listeners, stick around. I'm going to, um, I'll be back in a second, but I'm going to stay on the line to Dan for a minute. I'll catch you guys in a sec. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys. Uh, Dan is an absolute legend, isn't he, really? Um, I, I, absolute legend. And I want to give a shout-out to SJ2, who's also at All Call Signs. Couldn't be with us on the call, but he was with us in spirit, probably looking down at us like, you know, Muf- Mufasa, like looking down over... What was the other one called? Shit, I can't even remember. Simba. That was it. Right. Make sure you check him out. Out, 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 At. out. out, out. All call signs. Don't know what's happening there. Possibly a stroke. Please send help. Actually, it'll be too late by the time this goes out. Um, if, if that was as min, mini-stroke, then I love you all and thanks for coming. Uh, please let my leg- legacy live on by supporting the book Brothers in Arms, which is available to pre-order now. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, if we all pre-order, it'll go higher up the bestseller list. I think that'll be pretty fucking alley because the book has a lot of unpolitically correct stuff in there and it'd be quite good to knock some of them fucking cooking box cooking box, what the fuck is going on with me cooking books, be good to knock a cooking book off the bestseller list I promise you, my writing words are better than my speaking words Uh, brothers in arms, guys thank you so much for listening, I'm going to go and have a lie down, a little nap and then we will be back on Thursday with the next episode featuring a United States Army Ranger who's been Iraq, Afghanistan and done a lot of Ali shit, I will catch you then I fucking love you all. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Cheers, bye. Yeah.
1: Listen. Shout out Caesar. You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry yeah my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault and yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter yeah I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go now live your life and spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain? Or maybe you should thank me, it's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever I won't hang my head But yeah, you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a new bomb But no matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories, fade, yeah, they go first, yeah, they go first Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose